0: Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for February 2nd, 2014. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon is entitled, The View and Preaching from a Mountaintop. I have had a couple of mountaintop preaching experiences, I mean literally on the top of a mountain. The one that stands out in my mind was a few a few years ago at our university youth camp. I had been asked to be the guest preacher for the week, and let me tell you, there is no more intimidating audience than four hundred sixth through twelfth graders. I have to believe that Moses at Mount Sinai and Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount experiences were nothing compared to youth camp. I mean, they are youth, which makes them smart and savvy and hugely difficult to impress. (laughs) Youth get a bad rap sometimes because people assume that they're not paying attention when all of their nonverbals indicate that they're not paying attention. But let me assure you, they are almost always right there with you discerning if you are sincere or not. It's the scariest group to preach to. I'm serious. They require you to be real and engaging and speak the truth. So a couple of years ago, we loaded up about 400 youth and headed up to a mountaintop. I had arrived with a group of other youth ministers ahead of time to prepare the setting in their Bible study group earlier in the week, they had made prayer flags. They had put handprints, their own handprint on this flag and they had written their worries and their prayers for themselves and for their families and for the world on these prayer flags. And so we hung all 400 of these on a makeshift clothesline made out of string and it was the backdrop to the worship service on that mountaintop that night. It was just the right color of dusk. I have no idea what my sermon was about that night. I'm pretty sure it had something to do with Jacob because that was the theme of the whole week, but I remember none of the content of that sermon. I just remember turning to those prayer flags and telling the youth to look at their prayers blowing across the mountainside. I remember telling them that it was as if their prayers were being blown by the Spirit of God across the whole land. We could see it happening right before our very eyes. I really have no idea how powerful the moment was for you all. But I can speak to my experience from preaching with this view from a mountaintop. The prayers of 400 teenagers wafting across the Blue Ridge Mountains. Doesn't that make you feel good just to picture it? I wonder what it looked like to Moses coming down from his own mountaintop experience to hand out the Big Ten... He was speaking for God, being the prophet God had called him to be. But is it too sacrilegious or disrespectful for me to ask the question that Moses simply stated the obvious? How prophetic is it to pronounce that murder is wrong and stealing and lying and adultery? This is not rocket science. I don't want to diminish the prophecy of Moses. He was just relaying the message. I get that. And if the people didn't know right from wrong, then by all means, somebody ought to tell them, and I'm glad Moses did. It dawned on me as I was throwing Moses under the bus (laughs) that perhaps it wouldn't hurt us from time to time to take these commandments out and dust them off a bit for a little review session of the basics since we seem to keep breaking them left and right. The view Moses had from this mountaintop preaching surely must have been a sight seeing a broken people and giving them laws by which to live their lives that would make not just them better people, but the world a better place. That is transformational preaching. Another mountaintop view of mine. But I wasn't the one preaching this time. I've told this story before. If you've heard it, I'm sorry, but it bears repeating here. I was in the Holy Land with 20 other pastors from around the country, We were on the mountainside at the traditional site where Jesus preached this sermon that we have recorded in Matthew's Gospel. After our tour guide told us the things that tour guides tell you, our group leader asked us to sit or stand on the perimeter porch of the sanctuary that has been built to commemorate this place. He asked us to look out over the view which led in the distance to the Sea of Galilee. In between the mountain and the sea were banana trees and olive trees and date trees and then the Sea of Galilee off in the distance. And he asked us to picture the scene as if we had been there when Jesus first said those words. And then he began to read the Beatitudes to us slowly as to let them sink in one by one. It was when he got to the one, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, that tears started to roll down my face. My father had died recently enough that the pain was still at that very raw stage. Joe, who was standing to my left, Put his arm around my shoulder, I glanced up. He too had tears streaming down his face over the grief of the death of his son. How does that kind of grief ever stop being wrong? We stood there soaking in the moment, sopping it up with our own tears as the reading of the passage ended And then everyone began to disperse slowly in silence. Joe and I held our positions, waiting for the comfort that was promised to blow by us, I suppose. And in the quiet of that beautiful moment, another pastor, Michael, who is crazier than crazy, walked up behind us, having no idea about our tears, and said under his breath with the perfect accent, did he say, blessed are the (laughs) cheesemakers? That's from Monty Python's The Life of Brian. It's so like Michael Yussi to ruin a perfectly good moment. Or did he? Because Joe and I burst into laughter. How can you not laugh at Did he say blessed are the cheesemakers? And for the first time in my life, I finally fully understood one beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The Good News translation puts it that all of these blessings could be called happiness. So if we read it that way, happy are those who mourn for they shall be comforted, that makes no sense until you're standing in the supposed very spot where Jesus said it, tears streaming down your face and laughing, a belly laugh. The view from that mountaintop that day was of complete understanding of one verse of Scripture because I saw it come to life in my own two eyes and I felt it come to life within my own soul. Truly, those who mourn are blessed because they have known deep love. One's depth of grief is a direct correlation to one's capacity to love. And I learned that day that the journey through grief could only be traveled with tears and laughter, tears and laughter, tears and laughter. Today, Jesus is revealed as a prophet, much like Moses, who had learned to relay the important news from God from mountaintops. But let's be honest, Jesus' message in this blessed, happy Beatitude speech is much harder to grasp than the Ten Commandments. It's a whole lot less cut and dried. Each Beatitude deserves about three sermons to unpack it. The Beatitudes contain so much more than the basic do-you-know-right-from-wrong message. And let's be honest again, we don't really have the basics under our belt enough to tackle the prophetic words of Jesus. We're still working on that killing, lying, and stealing thing. The prophetic voice of Jesus begins with a blessing. If you don't remember anything else that is said today, the prophetic voice of Jesus begins with a blessing. He scans out over that gathered crowd on that mountain that rises up out of the Sea of Galilee. And he assumes that they already know not to kill each other, not to lie to each other, not to steal from each other. And what he sees is a group of people in deep need of a blessing. He sees their pain. He sees the places where they suffer. He sees the deep need. What he sees from his view, preaching from a mountaintop, is the broken and the brokenhearted. And he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that what is desperately needed to be a prophet is to be able to offer blessings at that same university youth camp week a few years ago one night back in the auditorium i was preaching about how there's so much brokenness in the world and youth feel that deep in their bones even when you cannot see it on the outside the bullying the mean girls The eating disorders, the stress of a competitive culture that has gotten out of control about sports and academics and music, you name it, the competition is out of control. The divorces that they live through, the human trafficking, the death of loved ones, the cutting, the addictions that they watch in their own households that they begin to practice themselves, and then we wonder, what's wrong with the teenagers today? There's nothing wrong with the teenagers today, except that sometimes they are but mimicking the brokenness that is all around them. And that night, I named all of those things and more out loud to them. And you could have heard a pin drop because I was naming their broken places and they knew it. And I said, when you're broken, you need a blessing. Somehow that phrase kind of stuck and took hold for that week. When you are broken, you need a blessing. And I said to them, Ministers and and adults are standing all around this auditorium and I want to invite you, if you are broken and just need a blessing, to go to one of them right now. And instantly, probably 357 of the 400 got up and went To receive a blessing. I think that was Jesus' prophetic message in the Beatitudes. When you are broken, you need a blessing. So I stand here with this particular view today. From this particular mountaintop. To preach a prophetic word. When you are broken, and I can see it all around the room, I'm not going to call your name or tell your story. But when you are broken, you need a blessing. And if you want to be a prophet like Jesus, you will believe in the power to practice blessings. My friend Joy Jordan-Lake wrote a book entitled Why Jesus Makes Me Nervous. I've actually taught it to two different Sunday school classes at the church a couple of years ago. Why Jesus Makes Me Nervous. And one of her chapters is entitled Blessedness. How could blessedness make you nervous about Jesus? And then she writes her own Beatitudes. Blessed, says the gospel writer, quoting the baby born in the cow barn who grows up to be Jesus. Blessed are the poor. Blessed. Blessed are those of you out there who don't know how you'll buy groceries this month. Blessed are you who scrape together the dollars and dimes to take a feverish child to the doctor Blessed are you because true blessings have nothing to do with money and money can trip you up badly like that poor rich young ruler in the path to finding true riches. Blessed are you whose education was lacking because you were homeless. Blessed are you who runs bases with a pronounced limp for you will teach others about real power and strength. Blessed are you when your appearance has caused wrong assumptions. Blessed when, because of your skin color and the fact that today you wore jeans, the hospital patients assumed you were the maid instead of the surgeon. Blessed when the chair of the board assumes that because you're a woman, you couldn't do the job. Blessed. Because God sees, God cringes, God weeps, God balls up a fist with you, and God lowers the gavel and calls you blessed. The most broken ones might just be the most blessed ones. She goes on to say, because God has shown up in flesh in a way that announced with one heck of a public address system that if there's any partisanship in the heavenly realm, it's on the side of the crowd who is misunderstood, who never yet got their fair share, but they will. My prayer for you this week is that if you are broken, You will call me and say, I need a blessing. I have one to give. It is straight from God Almighty. And I pray this week that many broken people will find their way into your view. so that you can offer a blessing that is straight from Almighty God. You too are called to be a prophet. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.